Hello and welcome to the Perth Delaprem podcast. This is your host, Mike, and this is a podcast which finds it absolutely hilarious that oil money is suddenly okay now that Liverpool might be sold. Today, I'm joined by Josh, making his second appearance on the Perth Delaprem podcast. How you going, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How you been? Yeah, mate. Good, good. And uh, we've got a Perth Delaprem debut for Jordan, who's going to be the most Sheffield-sounding Everton fan you'll ever hear. How you going, mate? Yeah, not bad. Yourself? Yeah, good, mate. This is a uh, this is a Bunnings reunion right here. The boys are back on the on the podcast. Should be good. That's nothing to be proud of. We shouldn't. You shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Not wrong there. Right, so we've got the special one as he's as he's calling himself. So Jordan's going to bring the chaos, a bit like a Stoke long throw from 2012. Um, right, boys. So today we're going to be talking about uh, the Premier League, the weekend. Going to have a look at the uh, Carabao Cup results. We're going to have a look at the Champions League draw and see see which Premier League teams are, um, you know, got favourable draws there. So uh, let's start it off. Like I said at the top of the show, uh, Liverpool looks like they're going to be sold, or at least partially. Uh, perhaps FSG are looking to sell off a little bit of shares of the club. So uh, Jordan, what do you reckon about that, mate? Look, I think it's been a long time coming. You know, they, they've only really ever invested what they, you know, what the club were making. They've not been pumping a huge amount of money into it. Uh, I think they've been overperforming massively. You know, Jurgen Klopp was kind of the big equaliser when you looked at uh, Man City compared to Liverpool. Um, they had to be a lot more shrewd in the transfer windows. They were signing smart, you know, smart players. Um, some of them have worked, some of them haven't, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I think they never really had the same amount of funding that Manchester City had. Um, so I think it makes sense. Um, I don't know whether what you're saying is right regarding the every, all of a sudden being okay. You know, I think um, there's something to debate there for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's um, about time. And I think if they really want to consistently compete with Manchester City uh, and then, you know, going on soon to be Newcastle, I think they are going to need that investment. You know, it's just, it kind of needs to happen. So, yeah. Yeah, you made a good point there about them. Um, I suppose FSG, I, w- I wouldn't say they don't have money, but you're right, they haven't probably dipped into their pockets. They've just sort of reinvested what, what they've made from the club. And obviously, um, they've been pretty good in the transfer market with some of the signings that they've made. But perhaps, you know, you look at City signing like Haaland and, and all these sorts of players. I think over the long term, they're probably not going to be able to, to keep up. Although I still do think Klopp's can't compete comments aren't necessarily all true. Uh, Josh, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, I think... FSG as a company are there. They're, they were there to make money, not really about the football. So they spent, well, I think it was, I read today, $400 million to buy Liverpool and its most recent evaluation was somewhere in the billions. So that that's probably a good return on investment for them to sell now. Look, as far as the oil money is concerned, they're not going to care as a company. If they're planning on selling, they're not going to care where the money's coming from. It's not their problem anymore. They, they were talking about selling a controlling interest. I think they don't want to sell all of it just because it's still a good investment to hold on to some of it. Uh, but no one's going to invest a big amount of money if they're not getting control of the club. So they might sell, you know, 51% because that's the least someone's going to be willing to take because they're going to want control if they're going to be putting that kind of, you know, one and a half, $2 billion kind of money into something like a football club. But, yeah, they're, not, they're obviously not going to care where that money comes from. I mean, there's probably going to be fans that are really happy about it. And there's going to be fans that still are going to be, you know, true to their word and still going to be, oh, now we're oil money. That's not good. But they're not going to not going to leave their team just because of that. They can't control 
who owns the club unless they've also got a couple billion dollars lying around. Yeah, that's true. Now, my, my comments there about the oil money being okay is just because I've seen a lot of Liverpool fans on social media suddenly excited that they can go buy it, like a Bellingham, a Bellingham or a Mbappe or these sorts of players. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, it's just funny now that, you know, maybe they might have a rich owner or maybe just a rich investor, rather, that it's suddenly all right. So it's interesting there. Um, yeah, so just uh, we'll just move on from that. I mean, well, before we do, um, I think Chelsea, what they sell for, $2 billion. So... I think if anyone is going to, you know, substantially invest in there, or if, if they were to eventually sell the club, then they're probably going to be looking for more than that. So, yeah, um, Jordan, you said it was a good time to sell, probably because, you know, Josh, as well, he said, 400 million, they paid for the club, they could get, you know, way, way more than that. So perhaps it is a good time for them, but it'd be interesting to see how that plays out and, and how it affects the club. But maybe not coming at a good time for them, just given their on-field results lately. But um no, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll recover there. So uh... yeah, but I, I also think as well with um, it's kind of almost the the right time, right? Because it's like they've still got Jurgen Klopp. They're still considered. I know they're not performing great this season, but it's not as if they've just you know become let you know way less valuable just because they've had a, a poor start to the season. It's like no. they're still very valuable. They've still got Jurgen Klopp. They've still got their star players for the most part. I know they did lose Mane, but. They've still got that value, you know. They've not just lost it overnight. So it's like, how long is Jurgen Klopp going to stay for? You know, if, if there isn't the investment there, you know, if they were to lose him, that would be a, a big hit to the valuation, I think. But they've still got sort of the main components that make them valuable. So I do think it's sort of like, um, yeah, the, the great, probably the best time. They've taken the club a long way. You've got to think back to when they bought them. You know, it was like the, the club were not in a good position. Um, so I think they've, you know, I don't think any Liverpool fan will be slating them, um, but they just ultimately don't have the money that, you know, the Man City owners, the PSG owners have. And if they if they want that money, then, yeah, they will have to sell. Um, I think there will be a lot of Liverpool fans that if they were to, you know, be able to choose from the situation now where they're not necessarily a bad team, they're not struggling. They're still, you know, last season they took Manchester City, um, not right to the very end, but, you know, it was very, very, very close. So, um, I think there'll be a lot of Liverpool fans that would be sad to, you know, lose FSG and then have to go and um, maybe yeah, sell their soul to a an oil rich country. It's not even a it's a con sell their soul to a country, you know. So I don't know. I think it, there's definitely huge arguments on both sides. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Be, be interesting to see how it plays out, mate. Um, so all right, we'll just move on then. So. Uh, obviously, since last time we spoke, it feels like every time we come on a podcast, a manager's been sacked. So, uh, Stephen Gerrard's been sacked and uh, Unai Emery is is back in the Premier League. Who's he in? Oh, there he is. He's just popped up. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, boys, what do you, I'm going to ask you first, Josh. What do you reckon about Unai Emery coming back to the Premier League with Villa? Big, bit of a big challenge. Uh, Villa's got probably pretty high expectations. You know, they backed Ger- uh, Gerrard in the transfer window. Things didn't quite work out. So what do you make of it? Well, I think it's interesting. I think you don't often see managers, even when they're doing poorly, you know, he had a bit of a obviously bad stint when he was in the Prem last time. And then he was okay at PSG, but it didn't end well either. So you don't often see them end up back down the table very often, you know. So it's interesting to see United Emery back in the Premier League and have come back down. And I'd say, look, yeah, Aston Villa probably has some expectations, but at the same time, probably less than expectations than any of the last, you know, few clubs that, you know, Emery would have been at. So there's that. And I guess they've got to be, 
they got to be reasonable. He's come into the season, uh, you know, 14 games in, and he can turn them around to a, to an extent. They're not going to be able to have the same expectations they would have had at the start of the season and then try and blame him for that when he's, you know, he's trying to make changes halfway through. So I think I think he's definitely got, look, as long as he doesn't do, you know, catastrophically bad and they're not like, you know, around the, the relegation zone, which, look, he looks like he's going to get them at least somewhat under control. I think he'll get this season and he'll get, you know, the start of next season to see what he can really do with the team. And I think I think Aston Villa have the backing to maybe start pushing for, you know, Conference League next season and, you know, going forward after that. I think it's pretty competitive for those spots as well. There's a lot of teams that could certainly be in that, that conversation as well. So, uh, Jordan, what do you reckon? Because Villa's had a couple of good results since um, Gerard's left. So, obviously, had a good win the first game and then they obviously beat Man United 3-1. Do you reckon the mentality of those players needs to be a little bit in question because, you know, suddenly it looks like they've just flicked the switch and turned it on. Then I know that's not always easy to do and maybe maybe that's the wrong thing to say, but it just feels like, you know, that squad was kind of underperforming and maybe weren't playing for the manager. Um, well, I don't think it's uncommon to see players start performing, you know, as soon as... A new ma- whenever you know it's new manager syndrome it's like everyone's fighting for a spot again it's like you know a fresh fresh energy in the club i think unai emery is a huge upgrade on steven gerrard i think steven gerrard was exposed uh i don't think he was ready to make that step to the premier league yet uh because it's not as if he was in a you know sort of like a bottom of the table club that we're going to be competing like relegation scrap every season like aston villa they're, they're investing um they're a club that are looking to move up the table not down and i just don't know i, th- I think maybe it was too too much too soon for gerard and i think he maybe should have waited um a couple maybe at least one more season at rangers he was doing well um I, i'm not going to write him off completely but I, yeah I, I don't know where sort of he heads next does he head to the championship i'm not too sure um and then as for unai emery appointment i think it's awesome for aston villa you know like he thrives in uh, clubs that uh, seem to be the underdog, you know, it's like they went on um, and won. I think he at Sevilla won three Europa leagues back to back, possibly, or definitely three Europa leagues in his time at the at the club. Um, and then he went to Villarreal, his most recent job, um, won a Europa league again, and then obviously I think he got to the semi-finals with Villarreal last season. So he is really, really good. I rate him very highly. I think. The Arsenal stint was unlucky. I think PSG is unmanageable. I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous there. So that's a, a graveyard for for managers. So I don't know. I, th- I think it's um, it'll be interesting to see. And I genuinely think he's going to do well. I think if someone can turn it around, it'll be him. He will get given time. Uh, and yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to see what he does with that team. I think when he came into Arsenal, though, as well, it was probably a tough time to take over, obviously, after, after such a, a long time replacing Wenger. Um, you know, whoever came in would have found it tough, definitely. And obviously with the investment there as well, it wasn't always there. And maybe they didn't get um, too many things right off the field. Um, just speaking on Gerard quickly again, Jordan, what do you reckon his level is then? Because I think now the next step that he does take is probably going to be a really important one. Because if it doesn't go right, then that could really... It's just the nature of the business and the job. You know, if it doesn't go well at another club, then he could really be looking at, you know, the managerial graveyard. I think ultimately he's going to get given time just purely based on his name, right? It's like, yeah. would he have really got given that Rangers job so early if he wasn't Steven Gerrard? Probably not. So I think he's going to get given some extra leeway. 
Um, I, I have heard that Wrexham are looking for a new manager. I think that might be sort of, you know, getting in the non-league, sort of learn the ropes again. And just now, I, I think realistically, I think the championship maybe do like you know we saw Lampard with Derby County. I don't think it'd hurt to go for like a mid-table championship team that are pushing for promotion. I think it's a great place to sort of you know really have that time to learn, find your you know your football identity as a manager and just try and you know get a bit of confidence again and and build it up because um i mean yeah it wasn't good towards the end i think aston villa were really struggling um even some of the signings i mean coutinho has been so underwhelming um and it just yeah he didn't seem to have the answers so i think he does need to maybe drop down to a championship uh, team like lampard at derby county and just uh try and yeah build himself back up yeah, definitely. And um, just speaking on uh, managerial sackings as well, Hasenhutl, that's uh, I probably butchered that name there. Josh, what do you reckon, mate? Is that a good call for Southampton? To sack him? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Their replacement choice in Nathan Jones, interesting. I mean, they've gone to the championship to get a manager, which, yeah, okay, I guess that's where else you're going to get. You're Southampton, you're not, you've not got the you know name to get any, anyone better than that. But then... You've gone to the championship and you've gone and grabbed the coach that's in ninth. And he's in ninth with a club that he bailed on and then came back to after failing elsewhere. I don't know that that's, I don't know that's much of an advertisement to give him the Southampton job in the Premier League. I think I'm, I'm very interested to see, you know, not the first few games because like Jordan was talking about, you always get that managerial bounce with the, with the new manager. But, you know, the next maybe five to ten, those kind of games, I really want to see how he does because I think that was an interest, an interesting decision. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean he didn't do that well at Stoke, did he, previously? And then he's obviously he's gone to Luton. So, I mean, it's an interesting one. I, I don't know about Southampton because I feel like, uh, I don't know what you reckon, I'll get your thoughts in a second, Jordan, but I reckon Southampton definitely got a squad that, that's capable of staying up. I really like how they play. They try to play football. I know that obviously they're not the best side in the Premier League, but they don't just sit deep and, and sit off and... Um, try to, you know, obviously against bigger teams, I'll try and counter. But I think I think they've got some really good players in that side. I mean, their transfer business may be in question. Um, <clears throat> I kind of took notice of it because they signed a few Man City uh, youth players, Romeo Lavia, Gavin Bazunu, um, Juan Larios. I think there might have been another one as well. So I don't know, Jordan, what do you reckon? Do you reckon they're going to stay up or do you reckon um, they might be heading down? Because they've scraped, they've kind of scraped, scraped themselves up in the last couple of years and, and kind of just missed out. Yeah, I think they've always benefited from having a really good academy. You know, it's like they are constantly producing good players. Um, I don't know though. The, the problem is, is it's just so competitive across the board now, right? It's like the everyone's got a good squad. It's like you know, everywhere you look, especially down in the you know, uh, like in the relegation area, bottom half of the table, everyone's got good players. Um, yeah, I don't know the managerial. Uh, appointment doesn't fill me with confidence for them but I mean he didn't do awful at Luton Luton aren't a strong team either they're not a huge club so um and I think he I think his win rate at Luton was around 40 percent so he was doing okay you know for uh for Luton Town who yeah historically haven't been um that amazing I don't know whether he's going to be the one to save Southampton I do think they're going to struggle I think they're going to be one of those teams sort of in the bottom five bottom six they do have quality though and they do have an identity you know so Che Adams uh, seems to be scoring a couple this year. 
Um, I, I don't know. I, I think really they've got as much chance as anyone to to stay up, but it will just depend on how this new manager works out and um, yeah, whether they strengthen in January. Maybe I don't know what what their plans are. So. Yeah, sometimes it's almost like they're setting up for the championship in some ways. I mean, you mentioned Che Adams there, but I feel like they haven't really replaced the goals that Danny Ings sort of provided them. Um, you look at some of the signings they made, Adam Armstrong, recent years as well. Just haven't quite got that player there just to, to get the goals and try to, you know, keep them up the table. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out. One thing out I there. will say, though, um, is when they do get relegated... Um, Everton, we have called first dibs on James Ward Prowse, so just letting everyone know that um, we will be taking him on a uh, on a reduced fee. So, yeah, Mate, keep your filthy paws off. Quality player, definitely. <laughs> How many careers do you guys want to ruin, or you, you don't want to leave this no, guy? Like, I'm not being sarcastic. James Ward Prowse is elite. Like he's in the England squad, I believe. He's been called up, possibly. I think. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's elite. He's so why you want to take him to Everton and ruin him? <laughs> Hey, better to be in, uh, better to be with Everton than in the Championship, you know. So, because they will be different things. We're not getting relegated this year. <laughs> I won't, I won't just from that, have they announced the squad yet? Have they announced the England squad yet? I don't think they've officially announced the England squad. All I know is Reese James isn't going because he was crying about it on Twitter, and I do kind of feel bad for him because he is, you know, been ridiculously good uh, bar the injury. But um, I don't think it's been officially announced. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on Reese James later. I didn't mention at the top of the show, but we do this thing, and, and Josh found out the hard way last week. We do a 10 and 10, so it's like 10 hard-hitting questions, and then um, you kind of have to answer them pretty quickly, first thing that comes to mind. I'm sure you'd be good at that because you're the special one, right? Um, so that'd be that interesting, actually, because the England squad is going to be announced soon. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see which right-backs do get called up because I don't think he seems to trust Trent. Um, and then Walker's a bit of a doubt with injury as well. And then obviously you've got Trippier's doing really well. But yeah, I mean, that's a position they're pretty strong in. So that'd be interesting mm. to see. I think it's yeah. I think it's another hour or so. But yeah. Um, alrighty. So uh, we'll quickly just move on. So Spurs as well. So Spurs are an interesting one because I feel like Tottenham always start with the handbrake on. We kind of spoke about this last time, uh, Josh, when you're on the show. About you know looking looking at all their attacking talent. I mean, obviously at the moment, so Sun's out, I believe. Uh, Kulusevski's out, but he's a big player for them as well. You know, why do Tottenham start with the handbrake on all the time? Because you said when he was in Syria with Inter, he wasn't necessarily doing that. And it's a different league. Spurs are probably you know maybe not as strong as say Inter in terms of um, you know hierarchy in the league, but they're still a good side. They've still got some great players. I just feel like they're not utilizing their attacking options enough. Yeah, look, I saw the the Liverpool game, and and it was it really was they they um they went two goals down, and look, they went they took they conceded the first goal, and the second one was definitely an individual error as opposed to a team error. But the the whole first half was them getting attacked constantly, Liverpool, 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 and then after going two goals down, it was like Tottenham, like oh yeah, we should play some football, and so they started attacking, and they they looked really dangerous, you know, they hit a hit the crossbar. A couple of times, Allison bailed Liverpool out a couple of times. I think it definitely could have been, definitely could have been a draw. I wouldn't say Liverpool won that entirely on merit in that second half. I think Tottenham were definitely on top. So it shows that Tottenham can play well, and I don't understand why, you know, Conte can't get them to go. All right, we want to start this game. Let's pretend like we're two 0 down, and let's just go at it like that. Because the team that Tottenham are when they're one 0 down can beat most teams in the league. The problem is. They're constantly starting with that handicap, and I don't, 
I don't see how they're going to they're going to get any better until they can overcome that. Whether that's whether that's a deliberate decision by Conte or it's a mentality thing within the team, something needs to be done there. This seems to be happening too often, though, as well. Like you know, like you say, they always have to seem to go down in a game, whether it's one or two or whatever, and then they suddenly kick into gear. So I, I don't know whether that's just coincidence. Um, maybe that's a tactic thing from Conte. You know, you can't just keep flicking the switching games and suddenly going on the front foot when you when you go go down in the game because at the end of the day you're going to lose more games than you win. And you know, this is where you said last week about the title, Josh. You know, you're not going to win a title doing that way. I mean, you're going to probably just scrape in the top four. Spurs are definitely good enough to to get in the top four, but they keep playing the way they are. I mean, I think a lot of Spurs fans are going to get on his back and and definitely, you know, um, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be enjoying it if I was a Spurs fan. Put it that way. I mean, it's just really negative. Um, Boring to watch. I mean, Liverpool at Anfield's always a daunting proposition, even with their form. But I feel like, you know, why not just go at them? I mean, I think, I don't know, Jordan, I think if I was a Spurs fan, I'd prefer them to go on the front foot and play better football. Maybe if you lose the game, that's fair enough. But at least you had a go. At least you had a crack. Yeah, look, the thing with Tottenham is, you know, we're talking as if they're, you know, mid-table scrapping right now. They're, they're they're fourth in the league, eight wins, two draws, four losses. Um, you know, only Newcastle, City, and Arsenal are ahead of them. Um, they're not. They've not lost. I mean, obviously, City and Arsenal seem to be pulling away a little bit, but um, they're really in it in terms of Champions League spots or at least a European spot next season. Uh, I think the only problem that they've got at the minute, or Conte's got at the minute, is um, yeah, the sort of the, the play style. It's like you know, everyone says, oh, we just want to win, we just want to win. But then you get a manager who wins, but it's not pretty. It doesn't take long until fans are complaining about, you know, like like you said, slow start, scrappy wins, scrappy draws. And I think that's kind of where Conte's falling into right now is he's getting results. I mean, they're, they're really up there with, you know, with the best of them at the minute. But it's like when they lose games 2-1, 1-0, because uh, it's never like a thrashing, really. Um it's not pretty to watch either. He doesn't even have that to fall back on. It's win, win, lose or draw. It's not pretty to look at from a neutral perspective, from a Tottenham fan perspective. So it's just, yeah, I think he's uh, he needs to sort of sort work that out. But I don't think there's any panic buttons or anything like that going on right now. I think they're um, a very capable squad with a very very capable manager. Um, it's just about finding you know the best team and keeping everyone fit. Um, I think Harry Kane's. A, I've always found that Harry Kane to be a really weird one to sort of get the best out of because he's he's a very unique player in how he plays, and you you have to play him because of how good he is. But you know, he's he's the kind of guy who you're going to feed balls to, and he's going to um, send the wingers on their way and stuff like that. He's he's a great goal scorer, but he's not a traditional you know like speedy forward that can just lead the line in that way. You know, he's. Um, so I don't know. I think it's. I think it will be interesting, but I don't think Tottenham will have a bad season at all. I think the only thing that the, uh, the fans will complain about is the uh, yeah, the boring football, really. So it's it's that style of play, probably. Where I think I said maybe said this last time, or, or maybe privately at least, where yeah, you kind of mentioned it there, Jordan. Like obviously, if they get the results, people probably aren't complaining as much. But it's when lately, when they have a run like they probably have where people start to get on his back because then they go, oh, it's a negative style of play. But it's it's not great to watch, but I'm sure Spurs fans end up, you know, third at the end of this season. I don't think, you know, they'd be too disappointed with that one yeah, there. So, definitely not. No. 
So um, we'll just round off the, the weekend results with uh, Man City. So uh, 10 Man City beat Fulham. I'll get your thoughts on it, Josh. I don't know if you saw the game, mate, but I was really, really impressed. I mean, I'll get your thoughts on the red card in a minute because it was an interesting one with Cancelo because now they've, uh, I believe, the referee, the rules are basically that they there used to be a double jeopardy. So if you'd stop the goal-scoring opportunity, there's definitely a red. But if you now it's if you played the ball... Um, and, and, you know, and fouled someone, say, in the box, it could only be a yellow. Whereas if it's cynical, so it's intentional, so he's like, you know, say two-footed him or he's tripped him up or whatever on purpose, then it's still a red. What do you reckon about the red card and, and the game as a whole? It was definitely intentional. He wasn't looking at the ball at all. And, and, and that's coming from a Man City fan. He's run straight at him like a bull and absolutely taken him out. He's gone in. He's dropped the shoulder as he's running. He's not even, he's not even trying to get the ball. So the red card's probably fair if that's what the rule says. Um, you know, it does seem a bit soft because it seems shoulder to shoulder, but when you really, really watch it back and back again, he wasn't. He didn't look like he was trying to play the ball whatsoever. And I think if he tried, then, yeah, definitely a yellow. Look, we played well with 10 men, but at the same time, you know, you'd expect that from City against Fulham. Not that Fulham's a bad side, but you'd still expect them to control the ball even without one of their players. I think very lucky to get the win. I think the bigger concern as far as calls from the ref, was actually the penalty that was awarded to De Bruyne. I, I, mm, yeah, that was a real gentle touch on the back of the ankle. And De Bruyne's not even falling in the right direction from where the foot's come. I, as a City fan, I was really disappointed to see that. I thought, that's not how you want to win games. I would have almost rather take the draw, almost, almost would have rather take the draw than win, than win a game kind of in that fashion. Interesting. I reckon the Cancelo one, like, I feel like he just, he just got caught out because he because I think what happened was now just remember there was a deflection that kind of just bounced in the path of Harry Wilson and and off he went. I mean, he would have been better off for me as much as I don't know if it was necessarily intentional. I just think he got caught out and then he's tried too hard to make an attempt to get the ball and then he if you if you watch that on video and you stop it and you look at different angles, he's fucked up basically. Um, but you know, look if you look at Edison's positioning. He should have just left it, take his hands away. If Fulham score, they score. They're still, I think Pep said as well, still 60 minutes left. Um, I think it was a bit dumb by Cancelo. Just, he should have just let him let him go. And, you know, Edison was narrowing the angle. So there's a good chance, unless Harry Wilson went around Edison, that he probably could have stopped it. So probably not the smartest. I don't know if it was necessarily intentional. I think it's just more so, oh, he's caught out and he's tried too hard to get back. But he's obviously, you know, he's just done the wrong thing because he was there too late. Um De Bruyne penalty, I mean, yeah, I'm, I can't deny it. it was soft, even even as biased as I can be. It was pretty soft. Still think it's a penalty, but he did obviously exaggerate the contact. Um, but the thing is, you know, I, I don't like it either because if that was that was Fulham getting that penalty against City in the 90th minute, I'd be I'd be livid, right? Can't can't deny that. But I mean, if you don't go down, you don't get it. It was still contact, but it was very soft. I agree. So yeah, well, I'm not saying that. Um... You know, the, the penalty was suspicious, but I did actually see that exact same referee uh, drive off uh, from the stadium in a Ferrari. So, it, look, it's probably just a coincidence. I mean, you know, he's probably had that thing on order for years, right? It's not just sort of coming to his possession, but it does seem a little bit strange that, you know, City get the penalty, he's now got a new Ferrari. I don't know, I'm just, you know, speculating. But, yeah, no, look, good job on you guys winning. I think Fulham have really impressed me this year. Um 
it's good to see that Haaland sort of wasn't out too long with his injury, with his little niggle he had. Um, I think he will benefit from being at home during the World Cup. I think he'll be, he'll come back fit, raring to go. I mean, he's not going to enjoy sitting at home watching all these amazing players do, you know, great things on the world stage. I think he's going to come back fired up, fit, re-energised. And I think you guys are going to see, um, yeah, an even better striker in the second half of the season. So. I think, uh, yeah, you're in a good spot. Yeah, I can't wait to see him come back. Hopefully he hits the, the 20 goals before uh, the World Cup. That'd be pretty good. Um, I mean, I reckon, I mean, following Jordan, you said they've impressed you. They've impressed me as well. I mean, at the start of the season, Gareth, Michael and I, who would usually do the podcast with, we said that we reckon they were just going to go straight back down as they kind of have done in previous attempts. But fair play. I mean, you'd know Marco Silva well, obviously being Everton manager. He didn't do that well at Everton. But, you know, he, he does play good football with his teams and, and he's doing really well with Everton right now. I'm sorry, with uh, Fulham right now. So, yeah. uh, fair play to them. But do you think they could have done a little bit more against City? Because I feel like 10 men against City, even though it is Man City, like at one point they still had 80% of the ball. Um, mm. You know, I feel like Fulham could have pushed on a bit more rather than trying to look for a draw there because they look really dangerous every time they, they sort of broke and went forward. Possibly. I mean, they're definitely capable of scoring. I'm not sure if Mitrovic was on, but, you know, he's always a goal threat. And it's just like, I think the only thing maybe that they're a little bit cautious of is just, you know, the quality is ridiculous. De Bruyne can pick a pass out from, you know, his own corner flag and send Haaland through. Haaland is unstoppable when he gets going. So I don't, I'm not going to knock them for trying to get a point because they were, it was at the Etihad, right? I think it was... I mean, a point away from home to one of the top teams in the league, if not the top team in the league, is like, you know, fair play. I know what you're saying with the red card, but I mean, 10-man City is still very, very dangerous. These players are that good that they can just pull, you know, the rabbit out of the hat at any point and just produce a magic trick. So, I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think they did the right thing. Ultimately, it came back to bite them. But like I said, the Ferrari was seen leaving, so maybe they should have got a draw anyway. I don't know. <laughs> um, Mitrovic was actually injured, so I reckon we were probably lucky there because um, whoever they had up front, I can't remember who it was now, but probably didn't pose as much of a threat, you know. They were still um, sort of crossing balls in, but didn't really have that aerial presence, and Mitrovic is uh, really dangerous there. So, now I think City played really well, all things considered. Yes, it's Fulham, but, you know, 10 men in the Premier League still tough. I mean, you mentioned there about players like De Bruyne and, and the sorts um, that we've got there, but... It was, it was just really, for me, it was really impressive. I don't know if you noticed it, Josh, but Bernardo Silva, one minute he's looking like he's at centre-back receiving the ball from the goalkeeper. And then he's on the edge of the box, you know, trying to cross the ball in, trying to get the ball in. Like, his work rate is just phenomenal. Yeah, but he's he's always been like that. His work rate's always been phenomenal. I think, yeah, he probably did drop back a little bit more, given that we'd lost a defender. I guess with the with the game being 1-1, you're not going to drop, you're not going to put another defender on because you're still trying to get that win and, and whatever I think, yeah, I definitely agree with Jordan. I think Fulham were fair to go for the draw, and I think all things considered, they kind of succeeded. I mean, I know they didn't get it, and they got unlucky. I'd say they got unlucky with that penalty, both in the fact that it was questionable to be given, but also, you know, it's always unlucky to give away a penalty even when it's deserved. So, I think, I think they they almost succeeded in taking away a draw. And I think if they'd opened up to City and started attacking, there's the potential they scored. There's the even greater potential that City scored a couple more. So. I think they made the right call. Um, I think, yeah, look, Man City did play well and cons considering they were down to 10 men, I wouldn't go raving about it as one of their greatest performances ever. It was it was okay. 
Yeah, okay. No, I, th- I think it was just good, all things considered. I mean, then it's nice to have someone who can take a penalty, although that was a pretty dodgy penalty as well. I reckon uh, Bern Leno was walking out with a brown paper bag as well. So uh, had a couple of dodgy dodgy little ones from Alvarez and Haaland. So, um, all right, let's move on. So Carabao Cups happened. I know Jordan was pretty keen to talk about this before we came on when I when I asked him this afternoon. So uh, what do you reckon about the Carabao Cup? We've obviously got Chelsea knocked out to City. Um, both teams play pretty pretty weak in squads. Um, Forest beat Spurs, so that's not another good one for Spurs. Liverpool throwing penalties against Derby County. Brighton beating Arsenal. Um, maybe a good discussion there about their squad depth and, and what might happen when they pick up a few injuries. Um, Bournemouth bad at Everton. So, uh, boys, I'll ask you first, Jordan, what's your thoughts on uh, Carabao Cup? You can talk about Everton, you can talk about just generally. Okay, well, I think we'll start with... I did watch the City-Chelsea game. Um, I thought Chelsea looked very poor and aimless. And I I think if you compare the two squads, the Chelsea team were a lot stronger on paper than the City team. The City team played a lot more youngsters. I know you still had uh, Mares on one side and Grealish on the other. And you could see that, you know, they're clearly amazing. Um, but other than that, for the most part, you know, they had uh, Alvarez up front, who I know is, isn't really a youngster anymore, but he's not, it's not Haaland. You've not got Haaland up there. You had Palmer, Cole Palmer, I think it was, who looks like a decent player, but again, he's not City first team standard. So, and then you look at Chelsea's starting 11 and it was, you know, they had um, Mendy in goal. I think Azpilicueta, they, throughout the whole starting 11, they had pretty much a first not, I know it's not their strongest first team, but they had a lot of first team players in the mix. And I was just really unimpressed with them. I didn't think uh, they really had much direction. They were doing a lot of these like looped long balls over the top. Um, and it just didn't seem like they were there to play. I was really impressed with their left back. I, his name does escape me, but he was really good, actually. But, yeah, he had a few, a few chances, which... He didn't ultimately take, but just his general play, I was actually, you know, really quite impressed with him at left back. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't think it was a very uninspiring performance from Chelsea. I think City looked better pretty much in every department. I think they could have easily scored more goals um, if Mendy didn't have such a good game in terms of shot stopping. You know, Mendy always looks like he's a you know a few steps away from making a mistake. His decision making on the ball when he's got it at his feet is awful. He always looks like he's unsure of himself. He looks clumsy. He looks just really poor when he's, you know, just got the ball at his feet. And his shot stopping is incredible. I think he's amazing. You know, he's some of the saves he pulled off last night was, you know, they were top draw, uh, especially from Mares. I think he, he saved one from Grealish that was literally right in the bottom corner. Um, but just at his feet, he just looks like he's about to make a mistake every time he's got it. It just, yeah, it's not good. Um, and then obviously, yeah, we had the Nottingham. Uh, sorry, who was it who beat uh, Tottenham? Was it Forest? Yeah, Forest. Yeah. Yeah. What was the yeah. final score? Was it four? Two nil, I think. Or oh, two two nil? Did Tottenham score? No. I have to double check that. Was it two nil? Yeah, it's sorry, two nil. I don't know. Sorry, two nil. And Forest got a red card, didn't they? Yeah. Okay. Um, but as, from what I could see, from what I'd seen of the highlights, I didn't watch the game fully because I was watching the City game, but. Tottenham uh, looked very poor and their lineup was, you know, I mean, they had Kane starting, I believe, uh, Perisic. They had, um, you know, Bard, maybe the defence. They had a pretty strong lineup. There's no excuse to struggle that badly to Nottingham Forest. You know, they, 
I think Lingard could have scored a couple even in just the first half. Like, I think, um, yeah, very, very poor performance from Tottenham. You could say now they can focus on, you know, the rest of the competitions that they're still in, focus on the league, really securing that Champions League spot. But, yeah, poor performance by them. And then, obviously, um, you know, the Everton performance, which was just shambolic, you know. Um, I think, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to go on too much of a rant, but it just... Yeah, they lost 4-1. That's where I was getting confused. They did lose 4-1. They got absolutely battered. Um, we didn't even really play a weakened team. You know, we played a few second-string fringe players, but none of them were like, you know, the under-18s, under-21s. Um, yeah, just and they were so poor from start to finish. I think, um, you know, if they were trying to stake a claim in the starting eleven, none of them succeeded. Um you know, to lose 4-1 to Bournemouth, there is no excuse. That is not good enough. We've clearly shown we're lacking ability, like depth going forward, which we always knew. If DCL gets injured again, the guy's made a class, you know, surprise, surprise, he's injured. We were going to struggle. And we clearly, we have. We don't have the depth. We don't have the quality and depth. And we paid for it. 4-1 to Bournemouth in the cup, whether it be in the cup or the league, is so poor. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's... Another nail in the coffin, as far as I'm concerned. The Grim you, you Reaper. Look, Lampard I'm not calling for Lampard's head yet, but it's, I, I don't know, it's uh, really? I'm losing faith a little bit. I think he's done pretty well. I mean, that, that's that's horrible, that result. But I'm looking at lineup now. I mean, there's a couple of players there. You've got maybe, yeah, they're not playing every week. Um, but, I mean, still had uh, Gordon out there. Neil Mope is not too bad of a player. He probably hasn't really done it for Everton just yet. But, you know, Decore is a good player. Gary Mina, that's a little bit left to be desired. Michael Keane's still a decent player. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting one. Uh, Josh, what do you reckon, mate, about the Carabao Cup? Right, so I, I didn't get to watch too much of it, but I did see a couple of highlights. I think the first thing I'll talk about is the Arsenal-Brighton game. Um, I know you said this says this says not doesn't say a good thing about about their depth, but looking at the team they played, they played the Carabao Cup like I do on FIFA, and that's chuck on all the all the bad or bad players, but second string players in every position. I just took a look at a few of these players: Lukonga, Vieira, Marquinhos. The only games they're getting are cup games, so yeah. I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't go so far as to say Arsenal threw this away, but I think I don't think Arsenal cared, and I think I think this is good for them. I think they do have a depth issue when it comes to competing with Manchester City. And I think the less competitions they can be in, the better. Whether they intended to lose this game and get knocked out of this cup or not is irrelevant. I think this is a positive thing for their season. And whereas you can say, yeah, Tottenham Tottenham losing that game was bad with the team they had out. They had Kane on the field. They had some starting 11 players. Arsenal might have had one or two, but none of, none of the big stars, you know. So I think losing this game, I think, you know, they're definitely competing for the title, at least at the, at least at the moment. I know it's a long season. We'll see how they go for the rest of it. But I think, I think getting knocked out of this competition and, and the Carabao Cup of all the competitions to get knocked out of is probably the best one. It's just games for not a whole lot of reward versus, say, the FA Cup or, or the Europa League. Just to, sorry, just to make a point then, I think Tottenham did exactly what, they shouldn't have done or you know they basically showed you know how to not get kicked out of the Carabao Cup and then Arsenal showed the right way to go about it you know I think they were almost blessed with the fact that they weren't playing a good team so like the thing with Chelsea City Chelsea had to play a good team you know they had to at least be competitive if they would have gone out and got smashed 6-0 by City that's an embarrassment you know it's like 
they have to at least show up. Whereas Arsenal, they had the benefit of like, oh, we'll trip the youngsters on. If we win, great. We'll keep playing the youngsters for the rest of the, you know, cup, at least for the foreseeable future. But uh, if we lose, then, oh no, we'll have to focus on winning the league, you know? So it's like, whereas Tottenham, they played their, a lot of their starting 11 and they still lost, which is just a shambles. To bottom of the league, to bottom of the league yeah. as well. Imagine starting yeah. Harry Kane and then losing 2-0 to the bottom of the league. Like, yeah, and I guess that's the other thing Arsenal have going for. <laughs> oh, good. I think that's another thing Arsenal have going for them in that game is they were playing Brighton, so it's not like you know losing three one to Brighton is not great, but it's not like embarrassing in any way really. Brighton's Brighton's a good team this season, and they've been a good team. They've been you know a couple of draws they maybe didn't wouldn't have liked over the last you know five or six games, but they've been a good team most of this season, and so. I think, yeah, playing the youngsters and getting a, a reasonable, respectable loss to a team that's respectable to lose to is kind of where you'd want to be at. Um, in terms of that, I think the Liverpool game for me shows some interesting signs. I think it shows that they're still toothless in attack. I know I know they've got some great play, like individual players, but they're still not linking up. I mean, nil-nil against Derby County, what is that? I mean, okay, yeah, they got away, they won. They won on penalties. That's That's... Penalties are like the 50-50 of football, even even against Derby County. I mean, I know Liverpool still has a little bit of an advantage, but to not to not score at all against a championship side that's doing okay, not doing you know, not going to be in the not going to be in the Premier League less next season. Let's say that. So, I think that that's that's, that's a worrying sign actually, for Liverpool. They are actually in League One, not the Championship. Just to uh, yeah. that's even worse. Oof. But but just to say just to say quickly, um, they played a, I mean they played a pretty inexperienced lineup lineup, but you expect them to do a lot better. Hey, I mean their front three, I have no idea. I mean Cavalio is the only one I know from there. You got Oxlade Chamberlain who made a glass, doesn't play anymore. Um, wasn't a great team, but uh, yeah, you'd expect them to beat. Derby I don't County. know. See, I I kind of put them more on Arsenal's side. I think. They took the Arsenal approach, but it, you know, they got through to the next round. I think, um, you know, it doesn't look good to scrape through. But you're talking about a full strength, you know, Derby County team. That yeah, they're in League One, but against essential. I mean, those that starting eleven from Liverpool, bar maybe one or two players, is literally like the academy. You know, it's like the under, you know, like the uh, junior to like the younger teams. Um, there's barely any players in there that have started a game for Liverpool this season. So, I don't know. I, I kind of put them more in on the Arsenal side of things where they have started the weaker team, um, scraped through, but at what loss? You know, they've rested all their major players. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't see a problem with that. And I think that the fact they got through ultimately in penalties is a bonus. It's not... It's Yeah. Yeah, yeah look, I, mean, I did just look at the team then. I, I should have looked at it before I started talking. But, uh, yeah, that's, that is a pretty inexperienced lineup. I think it just looks bad because it's Derby County. Like I said, Arsenal looked good because they were losing to Brighton. I think the Derby County thing looked bad. But, yeah, you're right. When, when you look at the team, there's no one there. I think actually maybe a bigger concern is maybe – what team did they play? Yeah, West Ham might be a bit of a bigger concern going down to, to, to Blackburn. But at the same time, I think maybe they might be uh, – Trading leagues by the end of the season, so potentially not, not, not definitely not guaranteed. But <laughs> <laughs> he's on one. Um, <laughs> just lost my track of thought now. But I mean, it's interesting because I think the game 
this the next uh, round of fixtures is actually a few days after the World Cup, so it's interesting. Maybe some sides probably aren't too, uh, you know, disappointed in going out or maybe you know resting a team and and obviously just just getting through because it's going to be interesting how it all plays out after the World Cup. It's going to be pretty congested in that second part of the season there. So, um, if you guys got nothing else to add, we're just going to move on to the Champions League very very quickly. So uh, we have uh, Real Madrid, Liverpool, City, Leipzig. Chelsea, Dortmund, Milan, and Spurs. I know you've got a bit to say on that, Josh. Um, just a couple of quick stats from it. So Liverpool have lost all three of their Champions League meetings with Real Madrid when facing them as the holders of the competition. They've scored only one goal and conceded seven. So that's pretty That's pretty horrid. Uh, Antonio Conte's won more matches in all competitions versus Milan than any other side in his career. Um, and Man City have only lost one of their last 17 matches against German sides in the Champions League. So, uh, boys, what do we make of it? Who who got the best draw? Um, obviously, a lot of just speaking as a, as a whole on the draw, um, you know, a lot of big boys are sort of facing off each other pretty early on. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'll ask you first, Jordan. What do you reckon? Um, look, I think they're all, yeah, there's a lot of tough draws in it. I think. You know, obviously, Liverpool meeting Real Madrid is a big one. Um, you've got yeah, Milan Tottenham is huge. Uh, PSG Bayern, like they're three massive games, uh, and I think they will be uh, really enjoyable. Even Chelsea Dortmund. Um, I don't know. I think when when it comes to the Champions League, it's sort of anyone's get who's going to show up for the big occasion. I, I think it's difficult to you know to call these uh, knockout Champions League games. I don't think any of those are easy ties. Uh, I know that's a bit of a cop out, but um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to see them. I'm sure there'll be some great games in there. But I think uh, I don't. I think City Leipzig, you know, on paper is probably uh, out of all the big boys is probably the easiest game. Inter have Porto, but I don't know if Inter are capable of really winning it. I don't think they're even sort of like in the top three favourites to, to win it. So I think City. If I was to have, if I had to pick one, I'd say they probably got the easiest draw. Uh, but RB Leipzig are a dangerous team, you know, and I. Um, yeah, anything can happen ultimately. But I, I think, yeah, if I did have to pick one, it would be uh, you guys definitely. But it'll be interesting to, to see for sure. Yeah, I mean, Leipzig's that sort of team where they're not probably going to win the competition, but they're still a good enough team to kind of keep City on their toes, which is which is not a bad thing. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably tend to agree there. I think that's probably the best draw we could have hoped for. Maybe there's some other teams we could have probably got that would have been a bit easier, but um, definitely not a bad one. Uh, Real Madrid, Liverpool, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting one. See, look, Madrid are probably still kind of living off that reputation, but they're obviously so good in the Champions League. So it's going to be a tough game. Um, Chelsea should beat Dortmund, but who knows the way they've been playing. Milan, Spurs, Josh, what do you reckon about that one, mate? I was ecstatic. I was actually watching the draw live. And aside from getting Porto, Tottenham were my number one choice for Milan's opposition uh, for a couple of reasons. So Benfica looked dangerous. You know, they finished top of their group in a group that was a group that contained PSG and um, Juventus. And so I didn't really, really want to face them. And all the other teams are pretty decent that we that we could possibly get, could have got drawn against. For us, Tottenham, yeah, no, okay, Conti's got a good record, but half of that record comes from when he managed into the last time and AC Milan were an absolute mess. And when I say the last time, I mean the, t- the time when he won the Champions League, not the most recent time. So that's that's not too much of a worry for me. I think for me, I think the way both teams play is not going to work for Tottenham. And I, and 
I'm, I'm setting myself up for egg on my face here, but Tottenham let people concede got like let people score goals early on. Milan don't let people score ba- goals back. So we've got a good defense. If we can, if, if Tottenham give us a one goal, even a two goal advantage, we're not going to let them back into that game. We can, our defense can definitely keep them out. Even, even with Harry Kane, our defense can keep them out. So I think that could go really nicely for us. Um, I'll go back to the Premier League now, like we're supposed to be talking about. I think the Chelsea Dortmund game. I think that's. I think that's going to be interesting. I think they're at the same level where they're at. Chelsea being, you know, fifth, sixth, whatever the bloody hell they are in the Premier League, um, versus you know Dortmund in Germany. They're doing okay. They're in the top four. So I think that's going to be an interesting game. Um, I think Liverpool's going to get done in by Real Madrid. <laughs> I don't think they have much of a much of a chance in that one. So I think, yeah, that's going to be a couple interesting games. Yeah, definitely. Be good to see how it plays out. It's not till, I think, February or March. It's a while away. Um, all right, boys. So anything else to add before we move on? We're going to go to the 10 and 10 now, Josh's favourite segment. What Maybe I will say, I, I, I do think um, AC Milan are going to, maybe struggle i don't think it's as clear cut as that i think you know we saw ac milan against chelsea uh and they didn't really look that impressive you know it was like and that was their real first test dynamos i grab uh you know they're not really a um a threat i don't it'll be interesting to see i don't think the golfing quality between chelsea and tottenham is that big and i just think if i was really unimpressed with ac milan that night um there was a few moments in the game especially with um Lau, is it how do you say his name? The winger? Oh Liao. 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 Sorry, Liao. 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 Um he was, yeah, he's obviously a very, very good player in demand. Um, but I think other than him, there was no yeah, they, they did struggle. So it will be interesting to see. I, I think it's a good test for AC Milan. And I think if they go through with flying colours, then you know they might have momentum to sort of possibly reach the final. Who knows? You know, they can not a chance. Mm. I'd be ecstatic to see them get past Tottenham. And then that'll be it. They'll they'll go out in the quarters for sure. Um, they're you know, look, the game against Chelsea was not good, um, but they were missing. We were missing quite a few starting eleven players. But more importantly, yeah, if we can get past Tottenham, I'm already happy we made it to the round of sixteen. From mm. f- from where the club's been, you know, from three four years ago, round of sixteen is excellent. I, th- no, but I, I don't think you know the round of sixteen. I think you are selling yourself a little bit short there. When you look at some of the matchups, you've got, you know, Club Bruges, Benfica. I mean, one of those has to go through, right? You've got uh, Napoli Frank, uh, against Eintracht uh, Frankfurt. That's That might be a little bit tricky. Napoli are wiping the floor with you in the league at the minute. Um, Inter Porto, if Porto wins that, you might. I mean, we might see an Inter Milan, AC Milan, uh, you know, matchup later on in the tournament. That would be cool. Um, but I don't know. Easy I win. think you're selling yourself a little bit short there, you know? Have a bit of faith. Zlatan saved Zlatan saved your whole club. Mate. Some of his quotes are just incredible. I love Zlatan. Um, a great guy. All right. So let's move on uh, to the 10 and 10. So, Jordan, the way this works, mate, is I got 10 questions. I've allocated you five each. Um, and we try to answer it in under a minute. Some questions much easier than others. But it's just generally about what's been happening Um and yeah, some interesting talking points. So get your uh, England hat on here because I've, I've saved a couple of England questions for you, mate. So uh, the oh, Sheffield-born Everton fan, Jordan Styring, and uh, the Perth Prem Italian football correspondent, Josh Cappy. So, all right. I've got all more right. Italian in my, in my pinky. 
ten Jafar. <laughs> nice. Arrivederci. Or whatever. I, I think that means thank you or something. I love you. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. Arrivederci is what you were trying to say, and it means goodbye. Just, oh. just to clear that up real quick. I was close. I was close. What the fuck? <laughs> All right, so I shall start with you. Uh, is FSG selling Liverpool a good or bad thing for the club, or, or selling in, invest or selling a share of the club? I think it's a good thing for the club. I think FSG own the club and they want to make money, so they're never going to spend the same kind of money as the Man City owners, the Newcastle owners, but even like the Chelsea owners who they've bought the clubs not really as investments, but also almost almost like toys to try and win the league. So I think Liverpool need an owner or at least a majority investor that's going to match that. Okay, interesting. Uh, Jordan, get your England hat on here, mate. Does James Madison make your World Cup squad? Yes. There's there's no reason not to. When you've got, I think they increased the player count to 26 or 27. I think if it's a 23-man squad, you know, maybe he doesn't make the cut. We've got um, some, you know, we've got like a lot of, Foden, um, the names do escape me. Who are our midfielders at the minute? Uh, I mean, we've got Foden, Grealish. Like, in terms of attacking midfielders, like, we, we're not sure. And I don't know where Madison, especially James Madison, who's not been in the England setup for, you know, a while now. I don't know how he comes in and performs. Who knows, you know, what his chemistry is going to be like. But I think given the increase in player cap, uh, I think we have to at least bring him. Um, I just hope it's not too much of a distraction. I hope the England fans don't get on Gareth Southgate's back every time we have a poor performance and say, we need Madison on there. He would have fixed everything. You know, I, I think it's good to have him there. Possibly he might make a difference in one of the games. Uh, there's no reason not to take him as far as I'm concerned. Funny funny point you mentioned there. It's a bit like England fans with Jack Grealish last, last time around in the Euros kind of calling for him. A lot of time as well, and maybe Madison's in that same boat. But I think he should definitely be there. Um, you know, maybe some of the other players are kind of in there on reputation. I've just seen something though. Just kind of googled it quickly. It hasn't come out yet, but there are lots of rumours swirling around that he's definitely going to miss out with the likes of Tammy Abraham, Tamori, Mark Gahey, um, and a couple of others. So it'd be interesting. Um, Josh, is Graham Potter already under pressure? Yes. Yep, that's, that's the way that Chelsea runs. So he's already under pressure, a couple of bad results, and it's going to be thing. I I can't see them firing a second manager in a season, so just for that reason I say he's going to make it to the end of the season. I don't know that it's going to be a great season for them. Okay. Uh, we kind of spoke about this. Quickly, right... Sorry, I know this is going completely against the format, but I just want to say something. Um, this is this is their first managerial um, hiring of the new ownership. You know, this isn't Roman Abramovich, Chelsea. Is he under pressure? Yes, he's a Premier League manager that's managing one of the top clubs. But ultimately, this is their, um, you know, they've hired this manager. This is, you know, their manager that they've chosen. So ultimately, if he fails and they sack him in two months, that doesn't look good on the new ownership already. You know, it's like they've signed some players that people have already said are a bit football managery, you know, like they've just kind of gone, oh yeah, he's good, he's good, and overpaid for them. If they then go, go to sack Graham Potter, it's, it doesn't look good. I think he'll get the time. I think like Josh said, at least to the end of the season. Um, and I hope he turns it around. I genuinely, you know, think he's a good manager and I think he's capable of turning it, turning it around. So, yeah. 
Yeah, even um, Pep came out and said as well that he thinks, you know, he said one thing, he said time, Potter needs time. So definitely think that's right. Things will come what up does eventually. Pep know? Do you know what I mean? What does Pep know? But yeah, no, I appreciate yeah. his kind words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, um, all right. Um, is Conte the right man for Spurs, Jordan? Kind of spoken about this. Uh, I mean, if he's not, who is? Uh, Thomas Tuchel, no. Uh, are you going to bring Pochettino back? No. You're not going to get Pep. You're not going to get Klopp. Graham Potter's gone to Chelsea. I, I don't see why not. Ultimately, it's the fans' decision, right? It's like, are they going to get to a point where they're like, the football is that bad and start calling for his head? But I don't think he's going to ever get the sack on results alone. It's either going to leave, um, you know, due to his own choices, or he's going to get sacked based on just the fans' turning against him. He's a results manager. He's elite. I think he's the third best manager in the Prem. Uh, and I do think, you know, like I said, who else? So I'm going to say yes. Okay. Um, all right, Josh, do Arsenal have the squad depth to compete with City over the course of a season? Kind of spoken about this as well. Yeah, I think so. I think it'd be hard. I think they need to get a little bit lucky with injuries, but their squad depth's not so shallow that they can't compete. I think... I think they're going to make it a hard season for us. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think look, they're looking to um, invest in January as well. So, um, next one for you, Jordan. Oh, if you want to, if you want to go there, mate, Josh, go for it. Go where? Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to say something, mate. All right, so um, <laughs> get your England cap back on again, mate. So, Jordan, with uh, in England's right back situation, looks like Reese James is definitely out of the World Cup. Who are your right backs to go to Qatar? Um, Kieran Trippier obviously has to be the first choice second would be Kyle Walker and then I I think you'd take Trent I think you'd probably those three right I don't unless I'm missing someone obvious who else is sort of in contention that's true that's definitely true is that Walker Peters was he I think he got called up for the last round was he in the thing or am I is that in a dream I think he's been called up but I don't I don't know if I'd be... No, but he's not good enough, though. But that's, if that's the next name, if we're not including Reese James, then I think it has to be those. Um, I did actually really like Tyler Walker in the Euros. I think he was one of our best players. He's fast, strong. If we can keep him, you know, out of off the injury uh, table, then uh, I think he's, yeah, I think he's 100% in the squad and sort of, you know, competing for that starting 11 spot. So, yeah. Yeah. I think he's undervalued probably by England fans because he probably doesn't have that attacking asset that maybe Trent Alexander-Arnold or, or Reese James does. But I feel like he's still really solid. Like you say, probably for counter-attacks for cities, he's really useful with his pace and he's, he's really strong as well. He can play in a back three. So he's got versatility. But yeah, be interesting to see if he's fit because um, I don't think he's going to be back um, by the weekend. So he won't play a game before the World Cup. I wouldn't Cup. say he's undervalued though. I do genuinely, and especially in the Euros at the last tournament, you know, a lot of people were singing his praises. I think he was playing awesome. You know, he was, it was, there were so many occasions where he'd be the last man and he'd just push them off the ball as if they weren't there. You know, he's just so fast and strong. Um, I sound like I'm, you know, trying to hit on him right now, but, you know, his muscles are just so big and he's just so attractive. Um, but yeah, no, that, yeah, like I said, I, do, I don't feel like he's really underappreciated. I, I do think we, are aware of his quality. And I, I do think England fans genuinely, you know, do appreciate him. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. No, no, I've seen that plenty of times for City as well. Um, all right, so Josh, who's your pick for the league right now, City or Arsenal? Ooh, is he just cut out? He's left us. Tweet that one up. I'll go to you, mate. Jordan, who's your uh, who's your pick? Arsenal or City? Oh, he's back. I'm going to let Josh take Sorry, this mate. One. I might just drop you out for a second. No, that's cool. Uh, right. that the- again. City or Arsenal for the league right now? City, 100%. I mean, I'm a bit biased, but I think City can definitely... Definitely got the the ability to get back over the top of Arsenal. Um, I'm still waiting to see them play off against each other, and I think it might actually come down to that in the end. Okay, all right, interesting. Um, and then, Jordan, what impact do you reckon the World Cup's going to have on the season? Do you reckon we'll see it kind of straight after, or do you think it will be something later in the season when it sort of comes to the crunch um, in you know May towards the end of the year? It's a difficult one. I think it's we're definitely going to see some impact. You know, it's a high-intensity tournament, smack right bang in the middle of our season. Um, you know, it should never even have been in Qatar. It was, you know, rigged. They paid off, you know, the necessary people to get it in their country. Human right. rights violations up the woo-ha. They hate the gays. They hate everyone that, you know... So as far as I'm concerned, it shouldn't have even been there in the first place. So this shouldn't have even ever been an issue. But it is. I think we'll, if we are going to see anything, it will be towards the end of the season, right at the end, when it's really coming. We're getting in chunks of really high intense games, finals, cup games, or sorry, league games that have been rearranged around possible cup games. Um, but also you've got to remember is everyone, almost everyone is going to have players in their team that... Are going to you know struggle with fatigue it's not as if it's just one or two it's the, it's the world cup there's going to be a bunch of players there so you know we might see everyone's level drop off um apart from the fewer you know ex- exceptions like harland who i do think is going to be pretty strong in the second half of the season but i think for the most part we might see it a little bit at the end but everyone's going to suffer so i don't know if it's going to help one team over another you know i think yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting, definitely. Um, all right, then, Josh, last one for you. So we've kind of spoken about this one here, but will Uno Emery be a success at Villa? Yeah, I think so. I think he'll fit, I think he'll get them up to mid-table this season and then it'll be interesting to see what kind of investment he gets in the off-season going into next year, but I think he's going to be successful at Villa and this could be, this could be a good platform for him to restart his career. However, if it does go badly, it is the the coffin that it's going to end in, I guess. So, okay. it's, you know, one way or the other. Let me just back Unai Emery up here. He's, he, this is, his, his career is not in a shambles. This guy is very highly regarded. Two teams ago, he was winning the Europa League three times. One team ago, he was winning the Europa League and getting to a Champions League semi-final with Villarreal last year. So it's like, this is, you know, Unai Emery isn't just some like, Unai Emery is not Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard has to succeed in his next uh, club. Unai Emery, for me, I'm asking the question of where can he take them? You know, I think it's a matter of like, where are they? How far are they going to go? Are they going to start breaking into Europe? I don't think, you know, I think Unai Emery, if he doesn't succeed in Aston Villa, I don't think it's like, oh, there he goes, you know. Uh, Like, I genuinely... I should clarify... 
Yeah, so do I. I think he's a great manager, and I think I do think he's going to do well at Aston Villa. But if he doesn't, I should clarify when I said the coffin for his crowd, I meant in the Premier League, just in the yeah. just in the Premier. Like I think if he doesn't succeed with Aston Villa, I don't think he gets another opportunity in the Prem unless he does something incredible, you know, in Spain or in France or something and wins the league with a you know a team that's not typically a league winner. I don't see him getting another opportunity in the Prem if this goes the wrong way especially if it goes the wrong way this season. You know, if he does has a good few seasons, gets them into the Conference League and then drops out, then that's different. But I think if he goes badly this season, then this is his last chance in the Prem. I do think he's going to get given till the end of the season. I think it will be, oh, yeah. um, you know, we're kind of almost halfway there anyway. I think he has to get to the rest of the season unless they're, you know, dead bottom and, they have to bring Sam Allardyce, you know, or something like that, you know, bring Big Sam in. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, unless that, I think he's going to, he's got the end of the season and then sort of next season will be when he starts getting, um, you know, really judged based on his, his performances. So, yeah. So, uh, Una Emery's just joined the show. What do we need? Just so everyone knows, this is Michael choosing when to put these stupid little videos. Who do we need? Me and Josh have no say in this, so this, all this is Michael's doing. Who knows here? Who knows here? All right. Um, all right, last one. I can't even remember who I'm asking now. I think it's Jordan. All right, so um, are Southampton staying up? They're going down. Jordan, I think it is, yeah. I'm going to say they're going to go down. I don't know. Sorry, Southampton fans. Um, I do, you know, part of it is a selfish um, thing on my part. I do want James Ward-Prowse on a high, heavily discounted fee. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know. I think they, they are going to struggle. Like we've spoken about, the manager isn't Big Sam. You know, he's not a relegation scrap specialist. He's, he's a guy that's come up from the championship. Um, and... I mean, the jury's out. He might, you know, blow it out of the water and good on him. But they're currently sat in the bottom three. It's going to be Nottingham Forest, Southampton. And if I was to put my money on it, it'd probably be Bournemouth, I'd say. Uh, Wolves, I think, have just enough quality there to to stay up. But I think, yeah, it's, it's going to be rough down there for sure. I think I would say Nottingham Forest, uh, Southampton, Bournemouth are going to go down. Wolves, ourselves, Everton, Leicester... Um, I know they've turned it around, but even still, you know, they have looked very poor at times this season. I think it's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to get quite scrappy down there. What do you reckon, Michael? Yeah, I reckon Forest definitely going down. Wolves shouldn't go down, but they're not playing that well. They've obviously got Lopetegui. Um, you seem to be the Spanish football expert right now. So, uh, now nah, I think he's a good manager. Um, whether he can turn it around, you know, in that dressing room with that team, I don't know. Um, Bournemouth. Yeah, probably not good enough. But I think that last spot's really open. I think it's going to be really competitive in terms of who actually does go down this season. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of good teams who are who are kind of floating around the bottom that shouldn't be there. And maybe some teams that you expect it to be there, like your Fulhams, um, who are doing really, really well. So, um, yeah, look, it'd be interesting. But I think there is going to be a gap. I think there is going to be a gap. I think Fulham... Um, you know, a lot like you said, a lot of people were, were writing them off at the start of the season, but Fulham have proven that I think, barring you know, some catastrophic in, injuries, um, and if the whole thing collapses, I think they're going to be safe. I'm not going to say they're going to 
set the league apart, but I don't think it's going to come to the end of the season for them. Um, I do think Nottingham Forest and Southampton are going to be really, you know, down there in the mixer. Um, but then after that, I think there's going to be a next level of clubs, which is going to be like your, you know, your Wolves, Everton, um, possibly Leicester, possibly Leeds. If you know if they keep sliding down the table, it's. Uh, but then I do think there'll be another level on top of that, which is like your Fulham's, uh, possibly your Brighton's. I mean, their season could drop off. We've not really seen the full effects of Graham Potter getting poached. I think they've still got that like Potter identity um, within the team. Um, the further away from his departure that we go, we might see them fall off a cliff edge. They've got good players, but you never know. So it only takes a couple of bad results for things to go tits up, as we say in Australia. So um, um, I think, yeah, speaking of Brighton, I think um, Zerby's done pretty well, though, just to keep things pretty similar. Uh, he hasn't changed too much just yet, so that's pretty good for him. Um, all right, boys, so we're going to uh, finish off there. We're going to do the quiz just to wrap up. Little quick one, testing your Premier League knowledge. Josh was absolutely livid last time. He said I should be answering some of these, but obviously, you know, I'm I'm the Wikipedia, I'm the encyclopedia here, so it's all good. Um, Josh, they were all easy questions last week. They, you only have yourself to blame. <laughs> Please get him, Michael. Please give him something. <laughs> I reckon he'll get. The, I reckon he'll get this one. Um, I'm going to start with you, Jordan. I'm going to put you under the cosh, mate. So, which player? Or actually, okay, actually, I'm going to change it. I'm just going to allocate you five. I was going to get you to pick a number, but I'll do this one. So, which player scored the most free kicks in Premier League history? So, from the very start... <laughs> hold on, so from the... So, from Premier, modern Premier League. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, played, for Man, played for Man United. Uh, he, he plays for Man United now? He did play for Man United. Oh. He's retired. Oh, dear. English. Um it's not James Wood Prowse, no. Oh, look, he was—he would have been one of my top choices. Um, oof. Oh well, yeah, David Beckham. Yeah, that's it. It's a point to Jordan. That's I'll the one. That. <laughs> that's hard though, because like Beckham. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't feel like I don't know. James Wood Prowse has been banging him in. Let's not forget that. I'll, I'll fact check it, but I'm pretty sure that's right. So no, I'll look, I'll, if I've got the answer right, like, you know, don't worry about it. Don't check it. You know, I've got my point. Let's carry on. Let's keep it moving. All our three listeners are going to be absolutely enraged that I've got that wrong. Um, all right. They're not because it's me. <laughs> no, it's my students, apparently, and Josh's. Um, all right. Which team has got the most goals in Premier League history, Josh? Uh this is an easy one. I reckon, I mean, come on. I reckon it's also Manchester United. Yeah, that's the one, mate. That's it. Yeah, okay, one cool. More. He's equalised. Erling Haaland at the back post. Um, all right. Jordan, who is the leading leading, leading Premier League appearance maker? Um, I was actually talking about him today. I think it's Gareth Barry. Yep, Gaz Baz, mate. Gaz Baz, that's uh, I was two, talking two. about him, the little left-footed wizard. Him. I was talking about his little stint at Aston Villa. Well, not little stint, and how good that team was. You know, you had Gareth Barry, Ashley Young, James Milner. You know, it's just that that team was stacked. Gabby Abonlahor up front. Oh, yeah. He had a face like a slapped, but what a player. And he was rapid. Uh, just a pace merchant. Good for your ultimate team, right? Um Josh, this might be a harder one, but th- 
Brazil, okay, it's about Brazilians, right? So Brazilians haven't generally been overly, overly successful. There's been a few, obviously. Um, one of my favorites, Gabriel Jesus. But anyways, first Brazilian to score 50 goals in the Premier League. It's not Gabriel Jesus. <laughs> I kind of figured that. Um... He's close. I'm sure, I'm sure he would have been close. <sighs> No, I got no idea. I don't... Oh, wait. Wait, wait a second. Baldy? Was it Robinho? Robinho. He was shit. <laughs> can, I, can, I just say, can I just say, Josh, my head was not thinking like current Premier League players. Like, I forgot about who Michael is. Michael's just giving it away. But I was thinking on the lines of like, Robinho and I was like, but he wasn't there long enough and he didn't score enough. And I was thinking, surely not Joe. Remember Joe? Oh, he was horrid. So, yeah. I was like, did he score that many? But yeah, it's obviously Roberto Firmino. Yeah, Roberto Firmino. Maybe next time, Josh, you can ask me a question. You can pick a question you can ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Put me on the spot for a change. Uh, this one's a tough one, actually, I'd say as well. Uh, how many defenders have won the PFA Player of the Year? Premier League still. Um, number. You don't have to say who, but it's just a number. How many years has, has it been? So there's 92. 30, been, what, 30 years. Oh, sorry, 30 years. Uh, dear, three? Oh, good guess. Really? <laughs> and I'd say it'd be like, wait, was it three? Yeah, it was three. It was and three. if I was to guess, it'd be like Rio Ferdinand, Sol Campbell, and John Terry, or something like that. I think it was Van Dyke. Oh, yeah, um, true. I that was three. Yeah. All right. All right. But I got it. Three. Go. What a guess. I mean, come on, lads. Get Surely that's a round of applause. That's a double pointer. It's a hey, double point. Where did I pull that out of? Michael, are you sure you weren't umpiring a city game on the weekend, mate? <laughs> My Ferrari goes well up the hill all the way to Calamunda. Yeah, um, Michael, I'll send, I'll send you the Bitcoin after you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I sent Jordan the answer. Jordan, before. mate, be real. You're buying people Hyundai's, not Bitcoin. Well, <laughs> Hyundai's are more expensive than Bitcoin. One Bitcoin's like, I don't know. Oh, maybe not. You can give someone half a Bitcoin. <laughs> I'd, I'd give him a tenth of a Bitcoin. It'd be worth about 10 bucks. Okay. I'm not buying him a high end <laughs> I'm still running around in my little Fiesta, Jordan. I need I need as much help as I can get. So you, you do. do what you've you got to do. do. Um, all what right, Josh. You're under the thumb. <laughs> yeah. um, ask ask why for some more pocket money. You might get something nicer. <laughs> Hope <laughs> Jordan's got a black eye. Uh, all right. So assist record or the number of assists. So like the, what's the highest number of assists by a player in the Premier League? Now, there is two players who have done this. There is a joint winner of this one. You don't have to say the player, but I'll give you a bonus point if you can name the player, but there's a number. So wait, most assists like in one season or overall? One season. One season. One season. I know this. I know who the player is. Oh, then. Damn it. I know one of the players anyway. Is it, is it 19? I want to say 19. Is that your final answer? Uh, is it 18? It's one of those two. Nope. 
Jordan? I'm going to guess. Can I guess? I actually have no idea. This That's a stinker of a question, Michael. Bloody hell. I'm going to guess like 22, maybe? Uh, a bit lower. Is it higher or lower? It's lower. 20. It's Kevin De Bruyne with 20. Yeah, it's yeah, and Thierry Henry equaled it as well. So, sorry, yeah. Kevin De Bruyne equaled Thierry Henry's assist record of twenty. So that's pretty impressive. Um, you were close. All right, I'll give I'll give you a point, Josh. I'll, I'll help you out here. Um, no. <laughs> How is that yeah, a yeah. point? He got it wrong. He said nineteen, then he said eighteen. He's, and probably, then I guess he's probably just got he's probably just got Google up there. Um, exactly, that's not a point. All right, Josh. Uh, sorry, Jordan. Here's your car, mate. I got it ready for you right here. <laughs> Put that away. You're a sick man. Michael. Are you wearing a Leicester shirt? Yeah, I'm wearing a Leicester jersey. What the fuck? That oh. says it all. If you give if you give that man a point when he's got Vardy Party on the back, number nine, then I mean that just says it about yeah, mate. you. Oh. And Dini all the way. Oh, looking classic. You know, fan. you are the only person that. to ever buy an Indeedy Leicester shirt. <laughs> You're the only one. Like it's almost impressive. You could have picked a hat. They certainly have so many sick players: Tielemans, Madison, and you picked Indeedy. I'm sure his mum has one, Jordan. I'm sure his mum has one. I don't even think she does. She's probably got a Vardy one as well. Everyone's yeah, on the Vardy train. <laughs> um, Gordon, you want to think of a question, mate? You've got it. First team to stay up after being bottom at Christmas. They're not in the Premier League um, currently. They're not? No, Dude. they're in the Championship at the moment. I'd say they're probably um, likely to be promoted, I would say, after double-check this, but... Um, I'm gonna think. I'm just trying to eliminate some people in my in my head. Well, um, they're in the relegation zone in the championship right now. They were in the Premier League as recently as two, three years ago. Oh dear. Wait, so it can't be. West, I was gonna say West Ham. It can't be West Ham. Uh, I don't even know. Who else has been in there recently? Um, unless. Let me think who's not in the Prem. Was it someone like Wigan or West no. Brom? Wigan? West Brom. West Brom. It is West Brom. Do we give him a point, Josh? I don't know. No, uh, I'm not getting If Josh yeah. didn't get a point, I'm not getting No, neither of us get a point. I got it wrong. I said Wigan and it was West Brom. So, Wigan. you know, I got it wrong. Wigan. We have to hold each other accountable. Um, <laughs> all right. Josh. <laughs> I've got some really good questions tonight. Wonder if I was answering them, mate. I'm, uh, I'm still waiting no. for them. When are the good ones coming? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Any minute now. How, we're, we're well over an hour. When are the good questions coming, Michael? <laughs> oh, who invited you? Um, all right. Josh, Who's which goalkeeper's got the most Premier League clean sheets? Come on, this this name, though. If, you, if I said this name, you'd be like, oh. Yeah, that's great. If you said the name and I and I was like, oh yeah, that's great, but it doesn't help me. Would you like to know who you played for? Like a hint. Sure. Yep. He, he retired a couple of years ago. Uh, he played for Chelsea for a very long time, and um, he also played for Arsenal. This is so easy. Yeah. I yeah, I know. I can't, I can't believe he gave you that. 
He wears a helmet. I, I, oh, cool. You know, I don't uh, pay a check. Damn it. Yeah. Oh. He wears a helmet. There's only one goalkeeper that's, that's, that's a a a on a regular basis. His name <laughs> rhymes with his name rhymes with I don't know Wetch. His, his name rhymes with Better Detch. Right, well, I'm not going to tell you the answer. We're going to start a petition. He's got uh, brown eyes and he wears size elevens. Next week, Michael, I'm organising the questions and I'm yeah, asking him. You can bloody answer it. still right. No, the question was okay, but what the hints there were ridiculous. I mean, yeah, no. you know. Mate, again, Quizmaster's got it. I had to help Josh out. He's giving me that power on his shelf. Oh, we, um, I think we're drawing right now, aren't we? So it's building up suspense. Yeah. I'll give you that. I'm glad someone's... Okay, fair enough. Me. That makes sense. Because I've lost my head here. Um, Jordan's got a gimme here. He's got a tap in. Premier League all-time scorer. Top scorer. Um, oh, shit. Oh, um, it's Alan Shearer. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, Alan Shearer. So, Josh, this is, this is a hard one to finish. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Oh, actually, I wouldn't say it's the most difficult. So, uh, right, I've got to stipulate, right? This is Premier League, so 1992 onwards. Um, name, there's, there's six teams that have never been relegated. Name one of them. That's, that's not that hard. Sure, well, that's wait, so wait, easy. wait. No. Surely, surely Manchester United's not been relegated. Yeah, Manchester United, there you go. There you go. I'm okay, you I've got, got a question for you, you Michael. If you said name all six of them, then that's a hard question. Yeah, no, yeah, oh, no, you I'm should gonna... have said name all six. Okay, go on then. I, name I, six. I can name, or at least I can five. Name I can name them. Liverpool, Everton, Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester United, and that's five. The last one would be... I don't know. Is there another one? Hold on. Yeah, let me see the. On. Let me see. Let me see the league table real quick. One second. I'll give you. A hint. I'll, I'll a get hint. it. I'll, huh? No one wants your hints, Michael. I don't want a hint. I don't want a hint. Um, the last one will be. It might be. Uh, oh, Chelsea. No, did I say them? Yeah. No, you didn't. I didn't. That's six. Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, yeah. Tottenham, City. Uh, sorry, not City, Arsenal, Man United. What? Oh, there you go. Yep, he's on to it. All right, so... Um, uh, I've got a question for you. Oh God, Name the team that is currently not playing in the Premier League but has won the Premier League. Ooh. Can I have a hint? I know this one. Ooh, let me have a look. Let me have a look, eh? I'm just going to check the championship here. That's Josh, that's oh. off the top of the head. That's a question. Is that Blackburn? That's a good question. That correct, Blackburn Rovers. Oh, you guys, yeah, got it. 94-95. Yeah. Mate. Yeah, with Alan Shearer himself. Who was the All manager? Right. <laughs> was it Kevin Keegan? I think it was Kevin Keegan. I think. You're right. I, I, I've just bailed myself out there, man. You just Google right. for that one, didn't you? No, no, no. Right. He's having. He's what a shambles. Um, all right, boys, 
that'll, that'll wrap up the quiz. I think Jordan won that one there, uh, even with yep. Josh's 1,500 hints. Assistance. Um, anything else we want to add before we wrap up? Um, thank you for having me on, boys. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, everyone at home for watching. Um, sorry if I swore at any point in this. Um, I don't usually swear. It was a one-off. I've actually, uh, <laughs> I'm actually a very good, honest man. Oh god! All right, and Josh. Well, I just want to say to the to our viewers, you know, we don't usually lie like Jordan did just then to our uh, to our viewers. Uh, Jordan, I used to work with you, and you couldn't even keep a clean mouth there. So I can't imagine you're uh, <laughs> keeping it anywhere else in your life. I reckon the service desk was cleaner than Jordan's mouth. Um, <laughs> all right, boys. Thanks for coming on <laughs> for your Perth Della Prem debut. Um, Josh, thanks for coming on again, mate. We had a bit of a long one here, so uh, hopefully people uh, give us a good listen. So, um, as always, thanks for listening to the Perth Della Prem podcast. You can find us all in the one place on Linktree, link.tr. Sorry, linktr.ee forward slash Perth Della Prem, or on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok, or on your preferred podcasting platform. Now, if you think what we just spoke about for the last hour is worth a dollar a month, then uh, check out the Patreon link in the episode description. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with the World Cup preview. Good evening.